Sports Weekend. All listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 2nd edition of the Sunday Side of Sports. Let's kick off with European club football. A new season begins Friday in the top-tier leagues in England, France, and Germany. In Germany's premier football competition, the Bundesliga, one of the big storylines involves Senegalese star Sadio Mane. He's moved from Liverpool to Bayern Munich, league champions for the past 10 seasons. Now, Mane got off to a good start with Bayern over the weekend. He scored a goal as Bayern beat RB Leipzig 5-3 in the annual German Super Cup match. Meanwhile, Schalke and Werder Bremen are the teams that were promoted for the 2022-2023 Bundesliga season. Werder Bremen defender Felix Agu is looking forward to the new season. The 22-year-old Agu is the son of a German mother and a Nigerian father. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, let's listen in again as Felix talks with Kwabena Quicksilver Ofori about his family and his fledgling professional football career. A young man from, from Osnabrück. Okay. My mom is, has always lived in, in Osnabrück. I was born and raised there. My dad came from Nigeria to Germany. I grew up in Osnabrück. I stayed there till I was, I think, 20 years old. Then I moved to Bremen. I started playing football at the age of, I don't know, since I can think. <laughs> um, because my dad and uncles, everybody used to play football back in the days or still play football like for fun. So that's how I got into football. And yeah. Ever since I can think, like, the ball was in my life. In every player's life, the parents play a major role, driving you to the training grounds for the youth teams and all that. And could you please tell me the particular role your parents play during your juvenile football period? Yeah, they played a big role. I think, like, for most young players, like, not only the support they gave you by driving you to the training facility, by... I don't know, making sure you get everywhere in time, you know, supporting you at, at the games and stuff, but also at home, keeping it a safe place so you can, like, come back even if you have had a bad game. They're still there, support you, and, yeah, it's okay. important for you to keep a clear head. Fellas, at the age of 19, you were invited to the German national under-21 team. How was the feeling like? It was an honor, for sure, when I, when I got the call. But it was also at the same time very overwhelming because everything went kind of quick because um, the season before we played with Osnabrück in the third division in Germany um, and we got promoted to the second league. But during the season in the third league, I was playing like maybe 50% of the game. So I wasn't like a starting player all the time. So I, I was in and out in the third division. So when we got promoted, I was like, okay, Let's just see how, how the season plays out. And then, yeah, I played a good preseason and all of a sudden I 
found myself in the starting 11 in the first matches. And then it was like, yeah, I, I played some pretty good games. And always when you're, when you're young, playing like in a good league, then also the national teams get like aware of you. And that's when, when I got a call from the coach. Yeah. And yeah, then I was like very happy. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, yeah, it was also a kind of difficult decision mm-hmm. because like there were just a few days in between when I also got a call from the Super Eagles coach, Gernot Rohr at that time. And he also asked me to play for the Super Eagles for the upcoming international break. And then, yeah, it was like a few days where I was, was like, okay, what should I do? I would love to play for Nigeria, but I also would love to play for Germany. I've never even played in a national team. So I was like, okay, in the end, I was like, let's just start with the under-21s of Germany, like in a more familiar setting where it's more known, where I might know some players. I've played against some. And yeah, also because it wasn't a fixed decision. So when I would have gone to the Super Eagles, it would have been okay. Now I have to stick with this decision. And now I can still decide whether or not to maybe if I get called up to um, the first team for Germany or Nigeria. What convinced you to sign for Werder Bremen after your long stay with Osnabrück? I had a pretty good uh, development in, in Osnabrück. I, I've been there since I was 10 or 11 years old. Played there for two seasons with the first team. And then it was like I played a good season in the second league. I um, got called up to the under-21s. And I felt like I was ready for the next step to in my career. And I also felt like this would be like at some other place than Osnabrück. And yeah, that's when Bremen came into play and offered me to play for them. Mm-hmm. For me, it was the deciding point to play for Werder Bremen was for one that it was kind of close to Osnabrück um, that I still could keep like my my family, my friends around. And also that it's like a very family-like club that is um, everybody's treating each other well in the club. It's not, it's also professional, but you know, at the same time, everybody is kind of kind of close, you know. And also with the with the fans and the big tradition this club has, it was in the end a kind of easy decision to come here. Your team Werder Bremen is back to the Bundesliga one. How are you ready for the forthcoming season? To play in the Bundes in the first Bundesliga was like the reason I also came here, like to make the next step. Um, and yeah, for us to get relegated after the first season to to be in the second Bundesliga last year was like difficult for everybody. Like everybody had like different different perspective for themselves. Since we got promoted back again, everybody's very happy. Everybody's excited. Um, and this, this is the same for me. I'm also very excited for the season. I train hard, do my best to be to make the squad, to make the first 11. And yeah, hopefully we get the best results. Yeah, Felix, now at the age of 22, you could be among the favorites to help the Super Eagles. I mean, I mean the Nigerian senior national team. What is the option now when in case you are called on? This decision has yet to be made. Of course, I've talked to, to my agent, to my father especially. But, yeah, I'm still waiting for the call-up call to come, mm-hmm. for me to really, like, intensely think about it and really make a decision. But for now, I'm, of course, very, very open. 
as you can see also uh, right now in Ghana, a lot of players, like since they made the World Cup qualification, like I see, I think Tariq Lamptey, this uh, Patrick Pfeiffer we, we played against last year. Mm-hmm. I think even maybe Kay, Callum Hudson-Odoi is yeah. thinking about it. So you see a lot of players now that maybe uh, they might have been born abroad think about playing for their uh, home national team. And yes, the same for me. I'm very open for it. But um, for me to make a decision, there has to be like a call-up first. Felix, lastly, you know that you have a lot of fans in Africa, mostly in Nigeria. And then what do you have to tell them, both your African fans, Nigerian fans, and your Veda Bremen fans? Yeah, I'm just thankful for every for every support that they're, they're giving me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, just for me, I'm doing my best every time I step on the pitch. You know, without the fans, like, there wouldn't be this big of a sport because, like, it's... It goes both ways. If, if we don't perform, then there, there are no fans. But if there are no fans, then also everything around us that's that makes us be professional might not be there. So we're me and all the other players are also very, very thankful for every support we can get. And especially if it's not even just so close, but also if you see you have fans that are thousands of kilometers away, it's even more special that they also... And watch all your games and support you throughout. So, yeah, I'm just very thankful. That's Werder Bremen defender Felix Agu looking forward to the start of another Bundesliga season. And Felix spoke with Kwabena Quicksilver Ofori from Bremen, Germany. I'm Sonny Young in Washington. And you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Follow the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. On the next Straight Talk Africa... We'll look at the information wars and the ways political narratives can shape our perception of reality. And a new Voice of America documentary will introduce you to several African millionaires in the diaspora. Join me, Heidi Adams, on the next Straight Talk Africa. This Wednesday at 18.30 UTC. Sporty greetings. This is Sunday Olise former captain and coach of the Super Eagles of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. In more football news, Moroccan striker Tariq Tisadali has been ruled out of this year's World Cup in Qatar after suffering a serious knee injury over the weekend while playing for the Belgian club Ghent. The 29-year-old Tisadali ruptured the anterior cruciate ligament in his right knee in the first half of Ghent's one-all draw Saturday against St. Trouden in a Belgian First Division A match. Ghent club officials say Tisadali will be sidelined at least six months. 
Tisa Dali was born in the Netherlands, and he made his debut for the Atlas Lions of Morocco at the Africa Cup of Nations tournament earlier this year in Cameroon. In March, he scored in both legs as Morocco beat the Democratic Republic of Congo 5-2 on aggregate in a playoff to qualify for the World Cup. The Moroccans will be in Group F at the World Cup, along with Belgium, Canada, and Croatia. The World Cup will kick off on November 21st in Qatar, with the final on December 18th. Meanwhile, the next round of 2023 Africa Cup of Nations qualifying matches, originally scheduled for September, has been moved back to March 2023. The Confederation of African Football, CAF, says the scheduling change was made to allow Africa's five World Cup-bound teams to prepare for Qatar. CAF says the next round of African Nations Cup qualifiers will be held from March 20th to March 28th, 2023. The four other African teams that will be joining Morocco at the World Cup are Cameroon, Ghana, Tunisia and reigning African champion Senegal. No African team has ever advanced past the quarterfinals at a World Cup. Cameroon reached the quarterfinals at Italy 1990. Senegal advanced to the World Cup quarterfinals at Japan, South Korea 2002. And Ghana made it to the quarterfinals at South Africa 2010. Hi guys, I'm Ferdinand Omanyala the fastest man in Africa, African 100-meter record holder. And now you're listening to Sunny's Side of Sports on The Voice of America. Africa's fastest man, Ferdinand Omanyala, won his 100-meters heat Tuesday when track and field action got underway at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, England. The Kenyan sprinter Omanyala advanced to the semifinals with a time of 10.07 seconds. Cameroon's Emmanuel Aseme and Namibia's Gilbert Hainuka, running in the same heat, finished second and third behind Omanyala, and they also advanced. Aseme ran a personal best of 10.08 seconds. Now, one of the highlights of Tuesday evening's session in Birmingham will be the men's 10,000 meters final. Kenya's Kibuat Candy is expected to challenge for a medal, along with Uganda's world championship bronze medalist Jacob Kiplimo. Candy did not compete at the recent world championships in Eugene, Oregon, because he didn't have a 10,000 meters qualifying time on the track. Meanwhile, Prince Nesta caught up with fans in Eugene before the final day of competition at the recent World Championships. Hi, my name is Suzanne Zaraski, and I'm here from Portland, Oregon, to see the athletes that have come internationally to come and compete. So what races are you planning on watching today? The uh, 4x4 and the 4x1 and the 800-meter dash. Are there any races that have stood out for you, any athletes that you know have really stood out for you? Well, we watched Sydney McLaughlin win the 400 hurdles and beat the record, and that was 
really incredible. People have come from all over the world. They have come to Oregon. What's your message to them? This is the track and field capital of the world here in Eugene with its world-class stadium, and I hope they're enjoying our beautiful state. We welcome them from all over the world and hope they're enjoying themselves. And we are so impressed with all their hard work. My name is Jimmy O'Day, and I'm in front of Hayward Field watching people walk into the stadium, getting ready to go in myself. What sort of races are you planning on watching today? You know, the women's 800 is the one I'm really excited about tonight. we got Americans in it that are just at the top of the world and I think going to do some good stuff. Are you contented with, you know, um, what the athletes have achieved so far, American athletes have achieved so far? Yes, <laughs> they have just lit the track on fire. I mean, last night, Sydney McLaughlin, that was a 400-meter hurdles, uh, broke the, her own world record by 0.7 seconds, uh, which, in you know, 400 is a big chunk of time. Just one of a kind. I don't know if I ever watched a race that fast. Um, that was pretty special. Uh, very impressed with all the athletes. 800, I think it's going to be spicy. I think it's going to be fast. The, I think the ladies know they're going to have to run pretty fast to get across that line first. And I wouldn't be surprised, 156. Um, I think we're going to see some fast ones out there. Fred Curley, the, the sweep of the Americans, that was pretty special. I mean, and then on the, the, the women's side, the Jamaicans doing the same thing. I mean, what an incredible, special thing for, for them to accomplish and also just lighting the track on fire. What does this mean for the United States hosting this competition for the first time on American soil? You know, for me, it's an event that you always watch on TV. And um, to have it here is pretty special. You know, Hayward Field knows how to host a good meet. Um, and I think they're putting on a good show. In terms of the organization here at Hayward Field, are you contented with, you know, the organization so far? Oh, it's been run expertly. Um, just easy to get in, great food, lines are nothing to speak of, um, but the stadium's packed. Um, the town really showed up. The, all the restaurants are, you know, doing their thing to, you know, serve a lot of people. Um, just great food, great weather. Um, it's been a really great week for me. Lastly, what's your message to the athletes who came from all over the world and graced these events, and also the fans who, you know, took their time and came to the, the United States to just grace these events uh, on this momentous occasion? My message to the athletes is you all are amazing. Um, just the top of the world here doing things that is just so inspiring to see how people can push their bodies and, and really just a lifetime of training. Um, and no matter the country, you know, I'm here supporting the U.S., but athletes from all over the world doing inspiring things. I uh, just feel really lucky to watch it. Thank you so much. Esther, yeah, really great to chat. What's your name and what are you doing here in Eugene? My name is Sam and I'm here to watch the World Championship track meet. So, so far, what races have stood out for you? Uh, the women's 400 hurdles, the world record, and I think Michael, Michael Norman's 400 and then the 200 sweep from the U.S. men. In terms of the organization here in Eugene, are you contented with the way things are going? I think it's been pretty good. I really like the bike ballet. That's really <laughs> nice and uh, efficient. And yeah, it's pretty good. They've got the streets all closed off and everything. It's a definitely good, just a good experience in general. In terms of like the experience itself, you know, watching American athletes, you know, win gold medal, how's that been like for you? Oh, it's been really cool to see my fellow Americans go out there and be the best in the world. But lastly, fans have come from all over the world. Athletes have come from all over the world. Uh, what's your message to them? Thanks for coming to Eugene. Uh, I hope we made a good impression and 
hope to have you back someday for another Worlds. My name is Shauna, and we're in front of the Student Rec Center just outside Hayward Field in Eugene, Oregon. I am here with uh, my boss to catch some of the live action of the sprinters and runners tonight at Hayward Field. What races are you planning on watching today? The relays and the decathlon events. Are you contented with, you know, uh, the performances so far? I am. I think it's been phenomenal what Noah Lyles did uh, last night, um, what some of the Jamaican sprinters have done. I think it's amazing to be able to catch all of the action live here in Eugene for the first time. It's really exciting. You come from Eugene, and there are plenty of visitors around here from around the world. Uh, what would you like to tell them? I think this is a world-class organization for sprinters and all athletes from around the world to come and see Eugene, Oregon, and uh, Track City, USA, live and in person. What does this mean for Eugene as a community? I think this is a fantastic stage for us to be seen by the world. Um, we obviously don't get um, put out there very often except for the uh, Olympic trials. And so this is an opportunity to have the event held here in the United States and for people to get to see Christine Prefontaine trained and some other uh, phenomenal athletes over the years. And lastly, you message to athletics fans who've graced this event, uh, your message to the athletes who've also graced this event. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for performing. Thank you for being here. Um, I hope you had a good time. You've been listening to fans at the recent World Athletics Championships in Eugene, Oregon. And thanks to Prince Nesta for the audio. In women's football, there have been celebrations in London where England beat Germany to win its first European title. Joining us with more details is VOA's Gwen Uden. Sporty greetings, Gwen. Sporty greetings, Sonny. The England women's national football team have waited 56 years for a major trophy. But last weekend, the team, nicknamed the Lionesses, clinched their first European title. On Monday, thousands of jubilant fans gathered in London's Trafalgar Square to celebrate their triumph in bringing the title home. And as the players sang and danced, team manager Serena Wiegmann addressed the crowd and praised her team for their historic victory. First of all, um, they're very, very good football players. They're very, very good people. Yes. Um, the willingness, the commitment, the resilience, um, the behavior towards each other, the support has been so incredible. And most of all, the willingness to want to win so badly. And they won! Wiegmann <laughs> is now the first manager ever to win two European championships with two different nations. She led her native Netherlands to the title in 2017. She has not lost a match with England since she was appointed head coach last September. And on Monday, Captain Leah Williamson said Wiegmann is the X factor that the team needed. Um, I think this is the missing ingredient that England was looking for and she's brought us together. <laughs> Obviously incredible and to be able to share it with everybody that came to the game and around the country. Uh, we're very grateful for everyone's support. Yeah. England's 2-1 victory handed Germany their first defeat in a major final and the win was made even sweeter 
because it took place on home soil at Wembley Stadium in front of a record-breaking sold-out crowd. With over 87,100 spectators, Sunday's final marked the highest attended match at either a men's or women's European championship. And following her victory, Serena Vigman said their historic night was built on the legacy of trailblazers in the sport that will inspire generations to come. I think this tournament um, has done so much for the game, but also for society and women in society in England, but I also think across Europe and across the world, and I hope that will make a change too. During our journey in preparation for the, for the Euros, we brought in um, the, the, some, some players that played in 71, and those are the trailblazers, you call trailblazers, I think. Those, those women are the trailblazers for the next generation, and we should always, always remember the ones who, who went before us because they made a path for us. And this team makes a part for the next generation. So never forget where we come from. And we all know where we come from, so don't forget. And we know the world's changed from this moment for the players now. But always remember where did we come from, what fights did those, did that, that generation have, uh, but also the generation after. And, of course, we all know that, that the England team in 2009 made the final too, with, with, with hope. Um, and, and there was building, 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 fundament, uh, create an, uh, or develop the competition here. Uh, and that's then I just c- come in a team where there's lots of quality, stability, there's a fundament, and then you can do well together. The Women's European Championship received an additional glowing stamp of approval ahead of Sunday's final from Liverpool manager Jurgen Klopp. The German coach admitted his heart would be with his own country in the final match against England, but he praised the high-level performances and overall quality of the women's tournament. Yeah, first of all, I must really have to say I love women's football. It's outstanding. Um, the, the quality of the tournament is, in, is insane. Um, England is doing exceptionally well. I saw two games, I saw three games of Germany. They do really well as well. I think it's a it's it's a really good final. Uh, two intense teams face each other. I was in contact a little bit. You can imagine that I'm as much as I love England in this specific case. Um, my heart is uh, on the on the German side, and but the better team might win. I'm completely fine with that. And I think in, in, at Wembley, um, sold out with the English crowd, it will be a massive challenge for Germany. But most important, I think, is um, the the face the, the women's football showed. It's a fantastic game. We all knew that before. And um, women's football over the last few years um, exploded in their development. It's tactic technically on an incredible high level, technically on an incredible high level. The intensity of the game, so means physically really, really good. Uh, and I love watching it. I really love watching it. And um, congratulations to all the teams who were part of it because it was a, a commercial or is a commercial for, for football, not only for women's football. Um, and just shows how, how, how fantastic this game is. And we will see. That's obviously, I'm, I think England is a slight favorite because of playing at home. Uh, but um, yeah, Germany has a chance as well. That's enough. 
We now know Germany came just short of clinching the European title, but despite their disappointment, the German team returned home to Frankfurt, where they were greeted with cheering fans who called them the team of hearts. Back in England, manager Serena Wiegmann said with the European championship title now in hand, expectations are high for a repeat performance. So now we won the Euros, now the expectations will go through the roof again. Um, the development of this game has, has gone so fast that many countries could win this tournament. We've all seen that. Um, and uh, Germany was really strong, France was really strong, um, well, maybe uh, Spain was really, really strong, and always, well, Sweden uh, too, so, and even more countries. Um, so it's not easy to win this tournament. And that's going to be next year at the World Cup too. First, we have to qualify in September, of course. Um, so the, the, the top countries develop, but the countries just underneath the top develop really well too. So we saw Belgium, we saw Austria, uh, even more countries. So it's getting closer and closer, especially in Europe. Um, but now it's time to party, and then we go have some time off, and then we're going to prepare for the World Cup qualifications and the World Cup, and hopefully we'll do well again. Well, during Monday's celebrations, Linus Lucy Bronze assured fans that they will be the team to beat at next year's Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. On top of the world, on top of Europe. <laughs> uh, yeah, another trophy, but the best one by far. Uh, but uh, there's still one more that we can still get our hands on next year. And as you can hear, England is ready. Our congratulations to the mighty Lionesses for making history as first-time European champions. And that is all from me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uten. Looking ahead to the 2023 Women's World Cup, Zambia, Morocco, Nigeria, and South Africa have qualified from Africa for the women's football showpiece. And that wraps up the August 2nd edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington, and that's the sunny side of sports. I get it.